a melted cheese bagel, a rainy walk in the woods and tiny little ballet shoes. There are a million things that I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? Oh my God, aren't friends brilliant? They sat with me for nights on end drinking cheap wine and watching Sex in the City. And I thought, I love you. I'm going to rise like a bloody phoenix, you shit. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks a Million, where we explore our guests' personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. This week, I am delighted to welcome my lovely friend, Alex Jones, one show hostess with the mostess. She has interviewed everyone from Cher to Dolly Parton, Hillary Clinton to Tom Hanks, a much-loved presenter to the nation who, over the years, has appeared on countless TV shows, including Taken to the Dance Floor for Strictly Come Dancing, co-hosting Sports Relief, and you may or may not have seen it. There wasn't great success, spoiler alert, but last year, she was on Celebrity Bake Off. And while you may not be taking tips, it was certainly wildly entertaining. She has also fronted her own documentary, Alex Jones, Fertility and Me, and wrote a book called Winging It about parenting in the middle of life. As you'll hear in this episode, Alex had humble beginnings and she's incredibly open, I mean maybe a little bit too open, about her journey in all aspects of life. She's currently pregnant with her third child, a baby girl and a little sister for her two boys. This one made me absolutely howl. There are some revelations that you will not want to miss. But first, our thanks a million trios. Still loving these on Instagram, by the way, so keep them coming. Use the hashtag thanks a million trio, obviously. Amy Collins, number one, my baby's music class. It's as much for me as it is for her. Honestly, they're gas. But the level of dribble and the exchange of germs is frankly disturbing. Two, that books exist. Just started reading again and managed to read some today whilst the baby was a napping winner. And coffee, standard. Andrea Clark, my 10-month-old boxer was good on his walk. Two, my ice caramel macchiato, look at us go. Three, my last day of radiotherapy for cancer in my vertebrae. You absolute hero, Andrea. Best of luck with that. Nick O'Leary, otherwise called the creaky lion not a euphemism or maybe it is I've no idea I don't know who this chap is one the weather it's gone from moody to goody which you know works in text but doesn't actually rhyme um but I (laughs) I applaud the effort two productive day getting the workload down and three after a bit of a loneliness spurt in recent weeks feeling like I'm back to a good place I love that I'm glad you're feeling back to a good place. And you know what? Loneliness is one of those funny things that we don't talk about enough. If you want to hear a little bit more about the topic, the very funny and brilliant and talented Ashling B speaks about it at length in this very podcast. It's back in series one. So go and check that out. Finally, Sue Webb, Jaffa Cakes and Coffee in the Garden. Three things right there. Just about. Right, let's get into the episode. In our chat, we talk about doing the one show in the pandemic while everyone was at home eating crisps and freaking out. First jobs. And let me tell you, you'll be surprised if you think Alex Jones plays everything by the book. Exes, French women and fertility. Let's hear from the one show's Alex Jones. Alex Jones! Angela Scanlon, how are you? I'm very well. I like your little setup there. It's quite profesh. You can't see the bin bag stashed behind the sofa. <laughs> there is not a bin bag stashed behind the sofa. Oh, I can go over and show you. Is there? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I love you. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm so glad to be doing this because... Oh, I'm so glad you are doing it. I love this podcast and also just because this morning has been one of those mornings, you know, where the children are just out to get me. <laughs> I feel <laughs> up since about 10 to 5 and yeah we've watched every cartoon going yeah um the cereal all over the floor and eventually our lovely nanny has come and taken them and this is like being on holiday in the Caribbean now talking oh, to you. Oh good. Yeah, you do look very relaxed. Your jumper says bright side, you're glowing. So, you know, it's 11-11, spiritually a nice little number there. So, yeah, you've been you've been freed from your tormentors. <laughs> I have. I have. I've got one left just here, but this one's quite quiet the one in my tummy, so we're all yeah. right. The little girl, you commented on my Instagram yesterday. Um, I posted a picture of ballerina shoes, which, I mean, I was an Irish dancer, so there's a bit of me that's like, who do I think I am? Now, throwing her in a pair of ballet shoes, it feels very posh. But yeah, are you excited about that side of things after having two boys? Oh my goodness. I saw your post and I can really clearly remember... Um, having new ballet shoes that was such a highlight wasn't it it was so amazing when they'd pull the box out and all the leather was peachy and the Mm. soles were so pristine and when I had Ted I thought ah what about buying ballet shoes (laughs) that was one of my first thoughts and I just yeah I mean that is the reason I want a girl is to go through that whole thing I mean I did ballet for ages Probably Did from you? about, yeah, I was about four when I started. You could never tell. My posture's horrific. <laughs> sure. Four till about 11, maybe. Oh, that's a good old innings, 12, isn't it? 12, yeah. And had so points. So did you get to points? Yeah, oh, got did. to points. And I thought I was it. Oh and I would go my. across the landing at home, holding on to the landing, you know, banister in my yeah. tutu. No idea what I was doing. But I uh, loved oh. it. So yeah, little girl. I saw your post and I thought, this is why I wanted a girl. This is why the universe delivered. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have the bloodied knuckled toes thing or would that have come later? I think it probably, although, I mean, my feet are a funny shape and I do wonder whether that's why. Um, but I know I I've didn't. seen your feet. <laughs> At least I feel I have. I mean, I, I've got a thing about feet. I find them. Have you? They're not the best, are they? I mean, I know necessary, but not the best. Um, But I think, no, I didn't get to that point. I don't think I, you know, I was no Darcy Bustle. Let's face yeah, it. Okay, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Fine. Okay, well, look, apart from having been set free <laughs> by your two boys <laughs> this morning and given a little bit of peace, what are you thankful for today? Um, So many things. Um, But the main thing is, and this is really superficial, and I think that's okay, we are going to a retreat tonight. <gasps> what? Oh, yeah. So after the one show tonight, we are driving to Carmarthenshire. And we are going to a lovely retreat near where Dylan Thomas, the um, writer and poet, used to live. Um, And it's a lovely place right on the beach. And we were going to go as a baby moon. See, there's a caveat here. Okay. But Teddy said, but Mama, you won't have any fun without me. So now we're taking the boys. Um, oh, it's not, shit. Yeah, it's not quite the baby moon we envisaged. <laughs> but however, do you know what? I just, 
I love being outside where you can breathe and mm. you know living in London is fantastic but I just get claustrophobic and the fact yeah. that we are going to be in the car going down the M4 this evening fills me with joy oh I love that yeah I mean you're the same aren't you when you go back to Ireland you feel kind of exactly the released, same you know <sighs> Yeah, and I remember my dad saying, because we lived outside of Dublin. He was from Mayo, like w- right on the West Coast. And they, you know, it, dep- it, it was a four and a half hour journey. And my mom would say she'd just notice after a certain point, his shoulders would drop. Everything would just relax. And I guess it's the same way. Yeah. I mean, how far of a drive is it? So tonight we'll drive to mum and dad's, which is about three hours. Okay. Um, so yeah. they'll be in their pajamas, milk nice. in the car go yeah. to sleep we can have a chat I mean even yeah. that is just nice isn't it while they sleep Lovely. in the back probably a dirty McDonald's probably yeah. <laughs> well it's not a dirty weekend with the lads there Do you know anyway, what I mean so you so may as well have a dirty something that's how dirty it gets <laughs> food chicken nuggets um and normally we'd never eat that but you know on a Friday night what else is open I mean yeah. what can you do yeah. <laughs> I think lockdown was tough because mm. you know like you I couldn't go to Wales and it was like weird not being able to go home anywhere where there's a green space or mm-hmm. a little bit of you know open air fresh air that's what I kind of need um yeah. to exist so this weekend we are having that down by the sea it's not going to be very hot but who cares you know oh it's lovely I mean you mentioned lockdown and I think so many people obviously everybody's experiences were wildly different and their setups at home were wildly different but I feel like you there was parts of me I would tune in and watch the one show you know having not been dressed for a few days and knowing that you were in there <laughs> with a skeleton crew painting your own face doing your own hair on top of everything else in a new setup of a studio like it was everything was was different and the whole world was kind of at a standstill but you were trucking on there every day how was that so if we can like cast our minds back to say March 2020 Mm. when things were just kicking off and we really didn't know did we what we were dealing with and it did feel a bit scary So I would drive into central London and it was like Armageddon. Nobody, not a car, not a person. And I was terrified that I was going to bring this, whatever it was, because we didn't really know, home and the children would get it and my husband Charlie would get it. And I was literally like this and, you know, in the lift, not touching anything, kind of pressing the buttons with my Mm. elbows and it was quite stressful and also I was playing telly tinder as you know I mean no partner in crime (laughs) so there was I'd be like oh hello partner where who what's your name and where are you from (laughs) but that was quite fun because you know we ended up with like a really nice gang which you're very much a part of and you know uh, that was quite nice actually but you know, doing your own makeup. This sounds so basic yeah. because, you know, of course, in real life, everybody puts their own makeup on. But I, I didn't know how to do it for yeah. telly. I was like, oh, God, mm. right. Now my eyebrows look like angry birds <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. And one side of my hair is curled and the other's not. And oh, well, tough yeah. shit. Here we go. Yeah. And you it know. was, yeah, crazy. But on the other hand, I felt that I was really lucky because I had this routine that kept us sane. You know, at home, things were quite tense because we didn't have any help with the Mm. children. And 
uh, Charlie was uh, in the Anne Frank, as we call it, which is probably not politically correct, but that's <laughs> right. the attic. Um, and um, so I would do the morning up until about three and then he'd take over at three and try and do his calls with the children yeah. there. And Kit was, he wasn't even one. Um, yeah, it, it was tough times for everybody, yeah. wasn't it? And, you know, it put up a lot of pressure on us. But in, in a lot of ways, I think we are better mm. for it. We've come out the other end until baby number three comes. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we've come out the other end. I think better. His relationship with the children yeah, is better. Um, you know, and... I mean, I love that job, yeah. as you know. And just to get to go there and have, to be honest, four hours to myself mm. a day was was a joy. And to put some trousers on <laughs> that actually were quite tight as opposed to <laughs> pajamas. Um, you know, so there was a lot of good stuff about it. But at the beginning, it was really scary. And then it kind of petered yeah. off and it became better. Um, and then I really started to enjoy yeah. it. But um yeah, those early days were weird. But actually, I think, you know, in a way, so many people sitting at home, like like the news, it became that kind of touchstone that people were like, oh, this is a little bit of, you know, lightness or a bit of continuity or something familiar in our living rooms when everything else felt so fucking weird. Yeah, well, and you know what? That's a real privilege, though, yeah. to be one of those people that can provide the continuity. And as you know, you know, I'm just sitting on the sofa. There's a massive team mm -hmm. behind that do all the really hard work. And they were working from home for the first time and putting a daily show on when they were kind of adjusting to this new, yeah. you know, fuckwittery mm -hmm. is, is hard. But we kind of, yeah, we came through it. It was quite galvanizing, I think, yeah. in the end. And we had a new boss as well. I mean, what? It was all change. Like you were basically the only constant in there. But from watching and knowing you, there's never a sense of that pressure. I feel like you're just quite unflappable. Like you take things well, very much in your, you're basically want to just lie down. I feel like you're just, just shy of lying down right now. You're like, yeah, whatever. I don't know, I just get stressed about weird stuff. You know, like when I'm in work, I feel I know what I'm doing. Yes. There. And and like live telly, like you know, it can go wrong at any minute. Yeah. And I love that. I think that jeopardy is amazing. That's the, and, the gig, you know, right? Even if it does go wrong, people love it when it goes wrong and let it go yeah. wrong. And that's great. But um, I'm worse. I'm more anxious at home mm. when I think of all my to-do lists and things. When I get to work, I can compartmentalize all of that. Yeah. And I feel, right, I can just focus on one mm. thing. So I find it quite freeing to be there. Joyal. Joyal, yeah. not even a word. Joyous. But I like it, Joyal. <laughs> Angela Scanlon says Joyal. <laughs> oh, she's on today. Okay, what is that? I feel like, you know, actually for a lot of people this year, you know, the whole COVID malarkey would be the thank you next. But is there a chapter in your life that you kind of look back on and think oh my god I'm delighted I never have to do that again yeah and I'm gonna dedicate my thank you next to da, 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 wait for it British gas oh come on I did not see that one coming and where are we going <laughs> um so 
many, many moons ago, uh, when I finished uni, mm-hmm. I did loads of temping work, all sorts of places, the education board, local government, you know, just literally answering the phones. Admin. Making tea, admin. Yeah. Different place. And then uh, my friend, my best friend and I, <laughs> Catherine, uh, we started working at a call centre. Mm, I've been there In too. British Gas. British Gas, go on. Yeah. Now... Anybody who's done this, and there'll be a load of people listening to this who can identify, they get you in, and it's a bit like joining the army, but on the phone. (laughs) Because you've got to, like, complete this massive test, and there's, like, a course or something of six weeks where, you know, you learn all about the products and how you should be dealing with customers, and it's like a prison. (laughs) I mean... It is like a prison. You've got to put a code in if you want to go and get a coffee, a code in your phone if you want to go to the loo. And I just thought, what is this? Now, first couple of weeks, I quite liked it. Never really worked in a proper Mm. office. Loved the glass revolving doors. Thought, I've made it. Here I am. I'm in British Gas. I'm in a suit. Mm. You got a little fob to get you in and out. Got a fob. I've got a little block heel. Disgusting. (laughs) Tights. Tights. I'm living the dream and I can go to anywhere in the middle of Cardiff for my lunch. This is great. And, it, you know, yeah. and I mean, we were all kind of the same age um, and Friday nights would be wild in a bar called Reds opposite British right. Gas. But I've never known somewhere where everybody clock watched all day and the time went so slowly. And by week three, I hated it oh no so six weeks training three weeks into the gig you're like no not for me hating it and you'd have people angry customers um and I think I was on the department where if you move house you've got to call up and you know you change them the utilities over to the new address and the people I mean obviously now I understand now that I'm an adult that moving house is very stressful and so, of course, these people are really stressed, but they'd shout and you weren't allowed to swear back, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, and I'd be putting the code in going, I'm going to the loo just to sit in somewhere different. <laughs> I hated it. And I never knew that so many people were so desperate for five o'clock to come on, on a Friday. Mm, yeah. Okay. And it kind of taught me really quickly that, oh, my gosh, you need to pull out all the stops here to find a job that doesn't make you feel like this and looking back I mean it wasn't that it wasn't like a a big moment but I think that job actually was more important than I think in terms of spurring me on and being the one that made me think right I I don't want to do a job like this I don't want to work in an office I don't want to be somebody faceless in an office and it's great for lots of people lots of people love it but I felt trapped I thought oh my god this every day same desk what and so I think that really taught me that I needed to push myself and find something as mum said Al you're going to be working a long time so find something that you love to do to do yeah I completely relate to that I had a job in a place called MedServe and it wasn't a call centre although I had done that but more on a part-time basis but this was like data entry it was doing invoices for an anaesthetist I mean I am literally the worst and like anything numbers based is like hell to me 
But I had a similar experience where I worked and this was no, you know, shade on the people that I worked with. It was all fine. But I was similarly miserable. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. I So in my mind, I thought, Do you know what? I'm earning all right money here. I thought I'd really like to work in fashion. And my mum's sage advice was, why don't you just get a proper job and like, buy fashion at the weekend and I thought okay I mean that does seem like quite a sensible option and then I did it and I was like no I I thought I really liked money and that that was the motivator and then I thought no I'm absolutely miserable I remember crying going in and out of work I hated it and again it wasn't even about the job it was about I think the reality of this being adulthood or an introduction to it. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Is this it? Yeah. I was well, so excited to I get mean, here. So I, you're kind of tied into this contract with them. Because it's all yeah. quite serious. And um, and I hope nobody from British Gas listens to this podcast. But. I hope they all do. On a, <laughs> look at her now. <laughs> <laughs> look what you drove her to. <laughs> on a Monday after quite a boozy Sunday we all used to live in this house five girls in the middle of Cardiff and me and Catherine were sitting on the sofa eating tea and toast and it was like half an hour before we needed to leave and we were like fuck it let's just not go and I was like oh do you think could we and she went well look we'll just say something's come up we've had to move home we'll make up this huge story and so we did they never saw us again and they rang and they were furious. They were like, where are you? And I was like, oh, there's been drama at home with my parents. I've had to move back to West Wales. <laughs> no way. And then I went to work in the house of Fraser. Oh, did you know? Because I thought, makeup counter, here we come. Yeah. Or fashion, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought this is going to be a bit more glam. Where do they put me? Oh, in the saucepan department in the basement. <laughs> That's an absolute killer. Thanks. So again, there was like this big sale over August bank holiday. And um, at the same time, there was this festival that we really wanted to go to. And um, I remember my boss, she was very nice, called Pam. And she said, I'm really sorry, Alex, but it's our busiest day. Like, you cannot go. Anyway, the girls pulled up outside and said, we're outside just get in the car and I was like I I can't so I was texting them under the counter I was like I can't and then I thought this is not my career so I said I'm just gonna nip to the ladies never to be seen again and then I arrived in the festival in a navy pencil skirt white shirt with my name badge with house of friends So you see, so, the, you know, it takes a while to know what you're going to do. <laughs> to find your way. Yeah. I am so shocked. I know. Given your early start into, you know, your professional life, that you've managed to hold down a job at the one show for 10 <laughs> years plus. It's my longest record. <laughs> but also in telly, it's it's just unheard of. But given, I mean, your track record, it's a phenomenal achievement. Yeah. I mean, I suppose only I could get sacked from one job in the summer was chopping peppers to put in tuna sandwiches. And I didn't chop quick enough. I mean, I was fired after a day. They were like, no, bye. Wow. So, you know, 
my track record wasn't great. I mean, I've mm. sort of come into my own in my older years. Yeah. <laughs> From Chopping Peppers, Skyven, House of Fraser, British Gas. How did telly come about? That's probably um, quite a long-winded... No, well, so I actually applied to do a journalism post-grad thing okay. at Cardiff because it's really good. Um, yeah. And it was terrifying. You had to go in, you had to do like an, a proper audition. Um, you had to do like a voice audition. Mm-hmm. I mean, my voice is horrific. I, what, I know like this. singing? No, like reading oh. the news. And I couldn't take that seriously at all. Okay. But yeah. anyway, somehow I got offered a place. I don't know what happened. But at the same time, I'd been kind of doing interviews for uh, runner jobs and researcher jobs. Yeah. And uh, a company had offered me a job. And actually, this is a bit weird. The man had interviewed me from his bath with me sitting outside the bathroom. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. They were a young couple. They They ran an independent television company and they said, come for an interview on a Saturday afternoon. I thought, okay. In our house. Yeah, and they were like, we're just getting ready to go out. We're both in the bathroom. If you just sit there on the stairs, we'll talk to you through the door. That is yeah illegal. Right. Go on. So back in those days, it seemed fine to me. So that's what happened. Once they weren't asking you into the bathroom, you're like, okay, fine. This is legit. Got the job. Because they probably it. thought she's quite flexible. <laughs> <laughs> She'll do anything. She'll this do one. anything. <laughs> and um, instead of doing, um, yeah, the post-grad at Cardiff Uni, um, I took the job as a runner because I thought, well, Okay. This sounds a bit of a laugh. And I just wanted to earn money and do something fun. And then yeah. I worked with them for ages. It was like a youth club. There were loads of us who were the same age. And I remember right. I was sharing a desk with somebody. And while he was a bit older and he was a proper kind of researcher, I was yeah. kind of just reading smash it. I didn't even have a computer. And they'd send okay. me over to clean their house before the cleaner came. That's what they do with me. That's my first intro Va- into telly. Valuable member of the team, Alex. <laughs> But I think anybody who starts in telly, unless they've become a presenter straight away and they they went in through kind of the back door, you know, everybody's got stories like that where it's all a bit mad, Mm -hmm. isn't it, when you're about 21 starting off? Um, And I think it's good grounding. Yeah, because the madness continues, let's Oh my gosh, the madness does continue (laughs) and it just prepares you for everything it can throw at you. They actually fired me twice as well. Um, (laughs) But I just went back on the Monday. Yeah, and you know what? Like, the cleaner didn't show up, so they were like, come on Yeah, I was like, you didn't mean it, did you? And they were like, oh, God, all right, come back then. And then they said, look, do you want to be a presenter? I said, well, I I don't know. And they said, right, well, let's do a screen test. I didn't even know what that meant. Did a screen test. And then next thing I knew, I was in Magaluf for a month, hosting a, like, kind of a love island. Yeah, I had my first introduction to absinthe. It oh, wasn't yeah. pretty. Yeah, so I did this weird kind of dating show in Magaluf, three series wow. of it, where you'd go to Magaluf for a month. I mean, oh, having been once to Magaluf, I'm like, I was going to say, what a great way to start life. But yeah, yeah it's not going to be no, up your street. Not, like, but I mean, if you're early 20s, you know, and you're out there living yeah, the high life. Like, I was... Yeah, 22. Yeah. And all the contestants, they were like 60 contestants. They were all under 25. Great. What a laugh. And then I went to the one no. show. No, there was a lot in between. <laughs> and then, ta-da, here we are. Prime ta-da. time, BBC One. Um, oh, well, I love that. But actually, it's just that kind of, 
like adventurous spirit just following things so there was no real plan but there was a kind of you know thirst thirst for adventure there was a thirst for adventure and I was just very much I'll give anything a go I mean that's kind of my attitude now I just think just say yes I mean rarely do I say no to my Mm. detriment because you know that can overstretch you as well but I think saying yes leads to way yeah. better things than saying it's no. It's so true. It's actually, and I mean, you know, obviously boundaries, as you mentioned, are like quite important. But I do think one of my favorite aunties was like, I spent a little bit of time with her in New York and she was like, everything, everyone, anyone who offers you something, someone wants to buy a drink, someone wants to take you for dinner. Yes, yes, yes. The answer is always yes. I was like, okay. Oh, wow. This is like quite an exciting game. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm better now. I'm still not very good at saying no when I really need yeah, to say okay. no. But I think in my 20s, it, it mm. worked. I mean, I had a great it time. It like you did. You know, can you ride a horse? Yeah. Yes, couldn't. Next thing, on a ranch in Arizona, training to become a cowgirl. <laughs> Nearly killed myself. I mean, I literally had never been on a horse. And next thing, I was galloping across a plane thinking, I'm going to die. But it was a great yeah. two weeks. And, and you're still here. You're still with us and you can ride a... Just about. Pony. Well... If you mm, had to. No. That is brilliant. The thanks that got away, Alex. Now, this one is quite tough, but I think it's to an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Who shall remain nameless Mm. because he was a massive shit (laughs) so here we go and I have to be really careful now because uh obviously we don't want to reveal identity okay so he was famous well would we go that far he He thought he was famous yeah he thought (laughs) he thought he was very famous and became insufferable anyway so we met when we were about 23 um, and we both worked together on a music show. And I, you know, I thought he was all right. Um, wasn't really into him at the beginning. And then he said, you know, we should go for a drink. And I thought, oh, no. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty, but no. Um, anyway, relented. Said yes, which is my obviously my downfall at times. <laughs> uh, went for a drink, got on like a house on fire, he was very different. Like, I'm from quite a traditional Welsh family. You know, mum and dad are, like, kind of quite strict. They were quite strictish. Okay. Um, you know, like a bit of a laugh. Uh, but he came for a curry at our house on Boxing Day one year. And he lit a cigarette. Oh, I can't even say it now. Oh, at the dining table. I mean, my parents have never smoked. My dad was just like, get out. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. And it just wasn't a match. And then I went home to meet his parents. And his dad was chasing a a gang of youths down the street with a pool cue. Oh. (laughs) From the local working men's club. (laughs) Shut up. Yeah, they were kind of vodka at four. You know, we'd have a cup of tea at four. Maybe with a biscuit or okay. a, you know, piece of shortcake. No. So it was a bit lawless. It was, a, yeah. Mm. And so it was never really, I mean, 
I got I got really into him. You know, we were together for um, I think probably two and a half, three years. Okay, so a good stretch. A good stretch. Uh, in yeah. that time, he moved to London. Uh, he started working in London. So did I. I was mm-hmm. recruited, believe it or not, on a show called Rise, which I don't know whether you remember. It was a breakfast okay. show on Channel 4. Oh, yeah. And I became the entertainment correspondent. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I do all these junkets with oh. kind of film stars and what have you. Yeah. And um, so every Thursday I would come to London and then I would do Thursday and Friday with them and stay for the weekend. Okay. And I must have been about 25 by this point. And one day I was in Top Shop on Oxford Street mm-hmm. and the production company who made the show called the flat where we lived essentially and said, we need to speak to Alex. Angelina Jolie is available for an interview. We need to come and do it now. And he said, oh, Alex is ill and she's actually in Wales, but I could come. You were kidding. No. Oh my God. That's an absolute shocker. Go on. So, so off he went. (laughs) Cheeky bastard. So I am kind of still in Topshop, unbeknownst to me, you know, buying cheap jeans and shoes as you do and um so I got back and was kind of like where is he then hours went past nobody answering the phone and in the end I thought right I'm gonna drive back to Cardiff because I don't know where you are you've probably gone to the pub and then the production company called and they were like oh so we've got a bit of a situation tomorrow morning um your boyfriend is going to the premiere with Angelina Jolie and it would be really funny if you came on the line tomorrow live on the show and surprised him and said that you know exactly what he's been up to what so again I I said yes (laughs) so on live telly I'm like right why have you (laughs) honestly we just had this huge argument you lied to me where have you been anyway so yeah we split up I mean, not surprising. Live on telly? Yeah, don't Google anybody listening to this. Don't Google this. I don't think I have Googled this just to check and you can't find it, so it's okay. Wow. Wow. Mm. Wow. So, um, Oh my God, what a little shit. Isn't it? Yeah. And so was that the end of it? That was the end of it, but... And then he went to America and look what a bollocks he made of that. (laughs) Anyway, so I went home to Cardiff absolutely broken. broken I mean so upset um not only had I lost a boyfriend I'd lost my first big job um and so why what did they give it to him no no but we'd have (laughs) it had become like Jeremy Kyle on a live record (laughs) (laughs) so I thought right I'm going home So back I went to Cardiff, uh, where I shared a house with my lovely friend, Lowry, and my friends rallied around. They were amazing. But that is the first time I think I fell, looking backwards, into a bit of a depression. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, oh my God, you know, I've got it, the bright lights of London, and, you know, and it all fell apart. And, um, yeah, and and it was a really dark time for about six Mm -hmm. months. And um, even though I was still 
very happily working in Wales. I just wasn't myself. Mum was really worried. My friends were really worried. And at that point, I thought nobody is going to treat me like that again in terms of the deceit and and in terms of just a boy. Yeah. And from then on, I've had really nice boyfriends and a really nice husband. And But I'm grateful because I needed that experience. And I thought, and when I got myself together, I thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a successful career. I'm going to work really hard. And I think it was a real turning point for me. I yeah. stopped messing about and I focused... And I think from that point forward is when real good stuff started happening. So, I mean, I can laugh about it now. But actually, and I'm I'm laughing along (laughs) with you because it's just like mad. It was mad. And I can, I honestly can laugh about it now. And I mean, there's a lot to laugh about. But... At the same time, I'm super grateful to him because because that experience taught me so much. It taught me about how fickle our industry is, mm-hmm. how tough you needed to be. Because I was just like a little Welshy who was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, nobody would do the bad, you know, a bad thing on purpose. And I was like, oh, yeah, they do, actually. And yeah. But it taught me a lot about being in love with the wrong person mm-hmm. and about how it can really damage you and damage your confidence. And yeah. I built myself back up and I thought, right, I'm going to be a grown up from now on. I'm going to do things properly. I'm going to work at my career. And from then on, it started feeling a lot more stable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, well done. Because I do think, yeah, you know, your career your love as you see it at the time you know which is hard to to see past that when you're in the middle of it and both of them take it out in one fell swoop you know it's like there's a a kind of cruelty to that that is very um wounding I think yeah oh yeah it was really sobering I mean I I went back to Cardiff and I was a shell of myself And, you know, and the girls, oh my God, aren't friends brilliant, girlfriends? Mm. They sat with me for nights on end, drinking cheap wine and watching Sex in the City. (laughs) And I thought, I'll have you. I'm going to (laughs) rise like a bloody phoenix, you shit. Yes, you did. Listen, it all comes back around, doesn't it, Alex? Yeah, definitely. You know, and like, not that you would wish it on anybody or wish ill on anyone, but sometimes when you see things unfold, you're like, mm, well, yeah, you know. there you are. There you are. That's that <laughs> wheel turning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, is there a thank fuck for this? Are you allowed to do today, this immediately? Yes, in the moment, presence, love it. We've got a good bit of your backstory. <laughs> Um, the bit that you never expected to hear Um, no my thank fuck for this is that and this is something that hits me every hour thank god I can feel this little baby moving Mm. because I'm a dinosaur Angela I mean you know what is going on and I literally stegosaurus jones here um <laughs> fell pregnant I mean what, what um and I love how you talk about yourself like you're literally an old woman 98 like. uh, no. uh, but um no but it, it was a shock I mean we've had this conversation um and yeah. it was it was a shock but now I see it as as such a 
lovely surprise. Mm. I mean, it's been pretty much plain sailing, I have to say. But last couple of weeks, we've had a bit of a, you know, you go and see the midwife okay. and they're like, oh, it was a bit small and da da da. Anyway, nothing, okay. nothing mega. But mm. now I'm like, oh, she's moving. Oh, good, 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 good. So that is my immediate now. That's yeah. the zone I'm in. That is lovely. And I mean, as a stegosaurus, because uh, <laughs> I know you've talked about this before and you did a documentary on fertility. It must be, it's a few years ago at this stage, but you know, the terminology around women who are a little bit older, oh. which, and I think that's like the vast majority of people now, or maybe, I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I'm certainly like close to there. And so the idea of a geriatric pregnancy, yeah. when I had my daughter, I was say I was 34 so but I th- maybe was 35 by the time I had her in in December and then she came in February and that term a geriatric pregnancy I know it's not attractive is it let's face it no. but also I agree with you I think and maybe it's a little bit more average because of where we live because we're in London yes, and true. people tend to come here for careers and all the rest of it I mean you'd think wouldn't you that they would have moved on in terms of terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all looking after ourselves way better. We all have a lot more knowledge than our mums had and we know what yeah. we should be eating. I mean, the alcohol intake can be at times still quite heavy. But mm-hmm. <laughs> on the whole, you know, we try to moderate. We do more exercise. So yeah. I think probably we are just looking after ourselves a bit better. Yeah. Um, so in our insides aren't as pickled. I mean, I saw a thing uh, <laughs> recently. It was an old, old Vogue article, and people were reposting it. And it was a, it was a diet, and so it was like uh, for breakfast a hard boiled egg and one glass of wine. Okay. <laughs> for lunch another hard boiled egg and one glass of wine, and then for dinner it was a steak and maybe like a little bit of vegetables, and then finish your bottle of wine one bottle per day <laughs> I just thought wow what's wrong with that I mean, for all of us see I, 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 I'm you know, not a huge fan of an egg nor am I not a hard boiled egg not anymore. a hard boiled especially when it's not hard hard boiled oh my god and, I'm gonna get oh, and it, uh, it like, oh. no not for me yeah. that but the no. wine I know well I mean French ladies drink wine literally like it's water I know and look they at them they look great They're fabulous I mean I mean they're, I they're in a Breton stripe they, and they look ace they look fabulous but I feel like they secretly do a lot of stuff behind the scenes they don't they're definitely not showing you when they're working out no. they're definitely not taking Instagram stories when they're having a facial I think they're like actually doing the thing every day and having a facial every week and you know they're probably smoking and chugging wine but all the other stuff is yeah is kind of balancing doing right. that out yeah yeah, yeah, probably. Sneaky bitches. Sneaky. <laughs> but, you know, I think, yeah, when I did that documentary, people were like, oh, so, um, you know, you're having problems conceiving. I said, well, no, not yet, because, you know, we've mm-hmm. just realized that we need to get on this. And I mean, I was a bit, life just happens, doesn't it? I mean, I met Charlie really late. I mean, mm-hmm. I say really late. I was 33, but, yeah, you know, um, in the grand scheme of things of having children and stuff, I guess it is quite yeah. late. Um, and then we just had a nice time for a while. Mm-hmm. And then after we got married, I thought, oh my gosh, I'd love to have children. Oh my gosh, have we left it too late? And we, we made this documentary and 
Oh, the people that still say, oh, we watched it on iPlayer. When you start having those conversations, you find that lots of your friends are having the same conversations. And it's a really quite stressful place to be, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I mean, we've been, oh my gosh, I'm touching wood. Incredibly lucky. There's been some complications along the way. But on the whole, I mean, you know, I don't want to say hashtag blessed, Angela. And bring it to that level. We're getting there. (laughs) Um, But a little little lady coming to um, Lovely. And also nice to not be like complete. You'll still be slightly outnumbered. But nice to have a little wing woman over time. Me and her will be in our ballet pumps and we'll be happy as Larry. (laughs) (laughs) What's your big thank you? Big thank you, I guess, is um, I, you know... The obvious thing to say would be mum and dad, who are literally the backbone of everything I do. I don't do anything without consulting them. But I won't say that because in the notes it said, brackets, no close family. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I'm a heartless woman. You are. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense about family. (laughs) Nothing. But I think, I mean, and, you know, my, my close friends and family will know this about me, but that I was horribly shy when I was little really really painful painful I think mum and dad and they say this now they were they said we were too strict with you I was the first born my sister wayward (laughs) (laughs) even still I mean she 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 wouldn't agree with that she she's a brilliant mother and she's amazing at a job um, but yeah, I think there's a, still a wayward streak in Jen. Mm. Yeah, um, I was the, like the swatty one in school. Okay. Anyway, um, you know, playing my violin with legs so thin the socks had to have elastics to hold them up. I mean, oh. I was a picture, Angela. Mm. <laughs> picture. <laughs> but I was, I was really, really, really shy. I had a nice group of friends in primary school, but I went to a really small village primary school. Mm-hmm. There was only about 80, I think, in the whole school. Yeah. And then I went on to secondary school and had the shock of my life. I was like, what are all these people? And oh my God, I felt really overwhelmed. And it took me a really, really a long time to settle. I mean, I knew answers, but I would never raise my hand because I could okay. never bear to talk in front of the class. I could never bear to read out in English class. So wow. at the time you don't realize, do you? But when you look back, it was quite debilitating. Luckily, I had lovely friends who were kind of on the same wavelength. But going from there to where I am now is a heck of a jump. Although sometimes I still feel really shy. Parties I'm not good at. Okay. You know, so I'll push Charlie in first. I'll go, <laughs> you go first. And then I'm like a child holding his hand. I mean, I find it, I find one-on-one and small groups lovely yeah. But I, I get overwhelmed by big crowds. No problem in speaking in front of lots of people. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a detachment there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of your job. But, I mean, red carpet yeah. makes me feel sick. Okay. Oh, okay. and then the photos. Oh, you can see it because I'm like, <laughs> oh, and my top lip is stuck to my teeth because I just hate it so much. <laughs> it's like I do I get like a a nervous little giddiness and I do this I stick my (laughs) thumbs up and it's like wow yeah somebody's just lent you a really beautiful dress in the hope that they can get a decent picture to you know post and you're like hey guys I know I mean Amani would be flattered 
delighted. Delighted. Oh, delighted. So going back. Yes. So the big, so thank, the big you thank you is there's this one lady, a teacher. She could see this. And I took GCSE drama, which was an odd choice considering I couldn't really do anything publicly. And she, oh my God, she completely changed my life. She really helps me understand dramas and helps me to create characters. And she said, if you're a character, you don't have to be you. So you don't have to feel like this. And it was complete escapism. It completely changed me. I mean, slowly. And looking back now, I can see it. She was building me up like you would a little wall, like a little brick every lesson. Mm -hmm. For me, it was absolutely critical because I would not be 100% not be sitting on that sofa doing the job that I do love these days without Mm -hmm. her. She saw something. She thought, okay, this is a really shy little kid. But She's got an interest and I can just eke things out of her. And my friendship Mm. circle grew. I suddenly got a little bit more confident with boys. I mean, I had no boobs, nothing until I was 16. Nothing. I was in a vest from M&S until I was 16. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't even have a period, I don't think, until I was 16. I was quite a late developer, just Mm -hmm. small, shy, short. And she, I think, was responsible for everything. So when I look back, I will always, always credit her with, not just because of the job, because that's amazing, but personally, I would have been in such a different space had it not been for her. Yeah. And I regularly write to her and tell her and send her cards so she knows. Oh, yeah. God, that's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody even knew my name at school. I mean, I was literally faceless, nothing, you know, nothing. And um, this this one teacher just saw something and thought, right, come on. And it's interesting, you're, you know, obviously your experience, quite a striking image, you know, you faceless or that was your experience oh, at, at I school felt of being like slightly invisible. invisible. Yeah, which is like such a lonely kind of place to be and then here this woman sees you know the little wayward Alex (laughs) the wild like that spark in there you know and I do think it's so powerful to have a teacher or any individual actually like get down to your level recognize and and nurture that yeah because I think you know underneath and I'm still like this today I mean I've still got that element of shyness and sometimes people see it as an unattractive quality to say that somebody's ambitious but even at a young age it wasn't ambition but I knew I had like big ideas and big dreams and I'd remember staring out of my bedroom window when I was about 15 thinking is this it looking at fields in Wales going oh you know I want to be and I and I sort of secretly really wanted to be an actress as a lot of girls do at that age but I thought oh my gosh I'm gonna be living in New York and you know and then I had my calculator yeah. by the bed pretending it was a telephone in a hotel room <laughs> all of that but I was just really oh so like big dreamer. oh yeah massive dreamer but I was like oh, I was gorgeous. really you know I would never vocalize that oh my god I'd never say anything of you know yeah. out loud and even my parents even now are still shocked that I do the job I do because I never mentioned anything you know but she saw those little seeds there obviously yeah it's all down to her 
Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. That's gorgeous. And I love that you write to her. Oh, yeah. Okay, the gift that you are most grateful for. Well, oh, go on, I was going juicy. through, well, I was going through all the nice bits thinking, oh, I love that and I love that. I'm not really a kind of a shoes handbag person. Mm-hmm. I like the odd nice one. My friend and I went to Paris about, oh, I don't know, five years ago, got drunk, went to the Chanel shop, bought a Chanel, which is the biggest treat I've ever, ever bought for myself. I still feel a bit sick about and it. And also I, they are eye-wateringly expensive. eye water, and it's tiny. Yeah. Oh God, I no, can't even get a phone into You don't even realise and then you go into the shop and you're like, sorry, what? For th- sorry. For this? For that? But because I was enjoying myself. Good, as you should be. Um, and on the champagne, I thought, well, it is lambskin. So clearly. It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> To this day, I can't tell my mother how much it was because I, I, ju- I, I just can't. And it's yeah. still in the bag, in the protective bag. As in, in you haven't worn it. Oh, I have. Oh, good. Okay. But, but you cherish you know, it. But also it's impractical. It's so mm. small. I mean, you know. But anyway, so I'm not, I'm not a massive materialistic person. I'm more about uh, experiences. And if somebody said you can have this pair of shoes or you can have a weekend doing something weird I'd go for the weekend because I think you know when you look back at your life nobody cares about the shoes Mm -mm. but stories are what make us as as complex and interesting humans but mum and dad on my 18th they bought me the watch I still wear every day it's important because they definitely couldn't afford it it's a really nice watch and it was way, way, way out of their comfort zone financially. Mum um, and dad, very working class. And at the time, we'd built an extension on the house where we'd been since we were babies. And they'd had a nightmare. The builders had basically left with the cash. Oh, and they, you know, so now looking back, they were in a lot of stress financially. Yeah. But still... They wanted 18th in Wales is quite a big deal and they wanted it to be significant and special Mm. and they must still be paying for this watch and they bought one for me and one for my sister and like me she never pulls it off. It just reminds me every day of how much effort they put in to trying to be the best parents they could. Mm -hmm. I hope gosh I never lose it. God watch now would be like an insurance claim next week going oh god I was talking about it on Angela's podcast and I was gone it was on my wrist and I was gone but um but it does it 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 grounds me really because I look at it and I think of mum and dad I think of the sacrifice they made I think of how lucky I am compared to where they were at Mm. the same age and I love it I love it I love that I love that okay finally the hashtag blessed moment Oh, I feel sick. I mean, oh, I, ca- I, ca- I can't even say the words. <laughs> oh, well, I know, you know it's I ridiculous. And it's with a nod, like yeah. it's with mm. a wink and a nod. Okay, well, I guess where I'm trying to picture a scene where I would, and I never would, by the way, but where I might think, wouldn't this be a good hashtag blessed? Yeah. Oh, God, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even bring myself to say it. Oh, but I guess it would be, um, on 
holiday somewhere overlooking a beautiful beach with a glass of ice cold rosé, some nibbles, probably olives, but the nice ones, the green ones that are quite big with no stones in them. Oh, with no stones? No, well, I guess, no, the real ones have stones where you have to bite around them. Then that's quite unattractive. Well, when this scabby little bowl is sitting But it's fine, isn't it, with your husband? It's grand. (laughs) Who cares? It's worth it. And probably seeing the children running around, having the best time. I always picture, I will get my act together and be one of these people who wears a lovely kind of caftani thing mm-hmm. with a big, large sun hat. No, you should see the state of me on a beach. It's it's hideous. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm in a mismatched, you know, used to be bikini, now no way. I mean, it's an all-in-one. But I do, I have a vision that in four years' time, when things have calmed down, I will be in control I was going to say again, I've never been in control, but you know, I'll, I'll have a grip on things and I'll be there with my rosé and we'll be having your, a nice lovely time life. and I will think hashtag blessed. Mm, well, do you know what? For a woman who's been out of control all her life, you're doing, <laughs> you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Oh God, I don't um, know. I just go day to day, Angela. I know, I love that. But there's a real confidence in that. And I think, you know, like, as you say, brilliant things happen. Yeah, I mean, and you, you know? never know what, you know, when I wake up in the morning and I never want to wake up because it's always way too early. But I always wake up a bit excited thinking, I wonder what's going to happen today. If you're a person that can also find joy in the mundane stuff, I like mundane stuff. I like going shopping Mm -hmm. for food. I feel like I've made it as a normal grown-up. I mean, I appreciate all of that stuff as much as when the big stuff happens. And I think if you can just be a little bit grateful, Mm -hmm. you're all right. Well, you're all right too. Thank you. Oh, honestly, I've loved it. I mean... Honestly, nobody Google anything. (laughs) And by the way, this is just between all of us slots, so stop it. Big thank you to the wonderful Alex Jones. And as ever, if this has sparked some ideas about what you're thankful for, I'd love to hear all about them. So please drop us a line using the hashtag thanksamillion-trio to me at Angela Scanlon on Instagram or Twitter. I mean, probably Instagram. And we're releasing new episodes every week, as you may well know. So do subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or on your Alexa. And if you're loving the show, please do write us a review. I know it's boring and it's a little tedious. Now, you can't do a review on Spotify, so I don't want to waste your precious time. But if you're on Apple you can definitely do a review. Go, hit the little five stars and then scroll or you'll see write a review. I don't know why I'm spelling this out, but I often get messages saying, I really want to write a review, but I don't know how. And it is a little finicky. That's why I'm saying it. And then press write a review and then write the review. I love you. Thank you. Make it good. Finally, do go and check out the other brilliant guests that we've had on previous series and our latest Thanks a Million mini pods. Thanks to my brilliant producer, Louise Mason, and to you, the listeners. See you next week. Listener.